BT from the dog pod here. Special episode today. I was on with my buddy Scott. Hopefully somebody knows podcast, a really cool podcast I've been listening to for a while. Lots of great advice out there for dads, for parents. And we talked about coaching youth sports, parenting kids who are playing sports. And you better believe I got a little bit of dog talk in there too. So if you're out there and you're interested in that kind of stuff, coaching youth athletics, listen into this one. We'll be back with our regular programming, back with the law dog, with Mitch, talking about the Huskies. Go dogs. All right. Welcome back to Hopefully Somebody Knows. Fun one today. We're recording live from the garage slash gym uh, of my friend Brian Tomlinson. Uh, BT, as we know him here in the neighborhood, is our uh, celebrity trainer. That's a stretch. And uh, the head of Fat Dad CrossFit, uh, the uh, aptly named workout area for uh, some of the dads in the neighborhood. Uh, BT and I, you know, obviously live in the same neighborhood. Kids go to the same school. And uh, wanted to chat a little bit after we just he just worked my ass out pretty hard uh, in the gym tonight on kids and coaching, kids and sports. Um, so why don't you, BT, first just sort of introduce yourself and uh, talk a little bit about um, you know how you got involved in like kids sports, and then I do want to talk about your podcast as well. Sure, yeah. So I've got two boys, um, just turning six and nine this summer. Um, and always kind of hoped that I'd get a chance to coach them, though you never know what they're going to be interested in. And I've been able to coach them in um, three and four sports each now. Uh, some of them sports that I've played and known all my life, and some of them kind of new to me. Um, but I love it. You know, a lot of uh, not only getting to spend time with your own kids, but like kind of the science of coaching, having fun, and just being involved with their life. But it's been great so far. So speaking of sports, um, one of the reasons that I wanted to do this interview, on top of BT being an expert in sports, is BT hosts uh, a UW podcast himself. So I'm learning his podcasting approach as well. Um, tell me a little bit about your, and my listeners, especially the UW fans, uh, about your show. Uh, yeah, so we host the Dog Pod. There's three of us, uh, Law Dog, uh, Mitch, so that's um, Alex Tuttle, Mike Collins, and myself. And we've had this podcast for, gosh, um, eight, nine years. We started out covering Pac-12. We were called the Ultimate Pac-12 Podcast um, and did all Pac-12 coverage. And, and finally got to a point where we saw that because it was like, we, we want to do a sports podcast. We love the Huskies, love Pac-12 football. But saw that there was a market need. There was no Pac-12 podcast at the time. Now there's, I think there's like seven or eight. Um, and actually, our buddies of ours um, started Pac-12 Radio, or 12-Pack Radio, who's kind of taken over the mantra of that. We decided to switch gears by five years ago and just talk about what our passion is, which is Husky football. We're not hoping to make a lot of money, but we, we love talking Husky football. And it gets us each week together, group of friends makes us study more than ever I ever would have before, if not only about the Huskies and knowing like the two deeps and three deeps, but knowing what our opponents are like. So now like I'm talking to, you know, somebody at work who's an Oregon State guy and I can just rattle off a bunch of players and like talk intelligently about what the program is. And I enjoy the game so much more uh, because we're studying up on them. But it's called Dog Pod. Um, we're on Twitter, Dog Pod, uh, Facebook at Dog Pod, and then um, and then most of our listeners come on iTunes. And for those of you that don't live in the Seattle area, Dog is D A W G P O D. Yep. Yeah. Right? So yeah, we've been we've been told we should have named it like P A W D for Pod, but I was like Dog is, is sort of hard enough. And there's a couple other Husky podcasts out there that like they're great. They kind of have the same uh, mantra. But I think we we sort of take a unique approach in that um, we're generally pretty positive. Um, you know, we're critical when we need to be critical, but we generally take a, like, we're here because we're fans that are trying to enjoy this and have a good time. And if you're not having a good time, 
what's the point? Yeah, We're fans exactly. here. Like this is what this whole thing is supposed to be about. Um, but yeah, come check us out if you like the Huskies or just like college football. That's cool. Thanks. And we're going to spend a little time at the end of the show doing a little preseason preview mm-hmm. of what's coming for the dogs. Yep, 2019. Uh, so, you know, before we get rolling on that, let's get back to kids sports because this is a really interesting one for me. As I've talked a little bit about on the pod, my girls are interested at best in sports. They're not particularly, you know, big team athletes. My younger one just bops to every sport available. My younger one, uh, my older one's more about theater and what have you. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting having been, you know, played a little bit of sports, but not a ton. I'm not super athletic myself, but it's been interesting to watch on both sides, being a coach occasionally um, for some of the kids and then obviously being a parent. And you've obviously played both those roles as well. Why don't you talk a little bit about first coaching? Like what led you to decide, okay, I want to take the ball and coach my kids. And what has that coaching taught you um, that Mm, maybe has impacted maybe even your own parenting? Yeah, shoot. I mean, we, I started with Ben when he was four, with four or five-year-old basketball, which is funny at that age to even call it basketball. Um, but, you know, there's five-foot rims. They don't have to dribble, and they just are kind of running around. Usually there's a kid laying on the ground rolling around. One kid's crying. Like, it's funny. But, you know, he showed a little bit of interest when he was young, and I thought, you know, I'm just going to put him in this and see what he thinks. And if he hates it, he hates it. But if he likes it, he likes it. And I signed up immediately to coach. And I thought, look, I'll just I put in there just co-coach. Like I, you know, I I I, I would never consider myself anything close to an expert basketball player. You know, I got cut from high school. You know, growing up, I wasn't that you know talented. But I loved the sport. Um, and you know, in that season, I ended up co-coaching with a buddy of mine. Um, so he and I coached together, same age kids, and loved it. And it was a chance where, like, you know, every week I got to spend those hours with my son, um, extra time with him, and I get to know all his friends you know, which was great. That was super helpful. Get to know other dads. And, you know, that to me, I just couldn't imagine for me is like, why would I choose to sit on the sidelines? Like, why would I choose, particularly at this age where the pressure of being the coach's son, it isn't there yet. Oh, that age. That's interesting. At, at four or five? Sure, like, they have no concept. They, don't, they have no idea that oh, you're the coach's son. They have no idea. Like, if it'd be the end of the season still. At like, at, at like my son now, at like second grade, at the end, the kids will go like, oh, that's your dad? Like, they don't, <laughs> this whole time, it, they, this no whole time they have you're no idea. Guy. So it does, like, that you don't have to worry about as much. Um, and I love it, man. And so now I've done uh, basketball. Flag football is the big one I spend a lot of time at. Um, and baseball. And then now he's started. Now I've had it's now I have the experience with I have two sports that I'm not coaching, which are lacrosse and swimming. Both I have no clue what I'm doing. Right. You know, swimming like I can barely swim, but I'll go out there and cheer like crazy and do everything I can just be a parent. And lacrosse, kind of same thing. I don't know if they need someone next spring. I'll figure it out. But I, I literally like I I went to grad school in New York, not knowing, not ever heard of lacrosse. Right. And now my son decided he wants to play it. You know, so he started that this summer. Maybe I will or won't. But um, I just love it. I mean, I don't know. It, it's it's astonishing to me when I hear parents that are like, yeah, you know, ten kids signed up, and and not a single parent wants to coach. Like, yeah. Really? Yeah. Like, just especially at this age, like, it doesn't take skills. Just get out there. Yeah. Get well, there. I mean, one of the things I struggle with sometimes is. We've touched on this a little bit. Like, I've found that organized sports sometimes has become, you know, a replacement for any other activities or maybe even free play that kids do or whatever else. So there's a level of pressure almost. Certainly, we were talking about our neighborhood, and I don't think it's just this neighborhood. I think it's Issaquah and kind of, I don't know, man, maybe it's everywhere. Maybe it's just everything. Everything Mm -hmm. is leaning toward organized sports now. But I think that maybe there's pressure for those parents that don't necessarily feel as comfortable as you do saying, sure, I'll figure out lacrosse, that like, they want their kid to excel in organized sports because X, because they want to get on a travel team or a select mm-hmm. team. And then eventually that's going to lead to college or whatever. Do you think that there's a little bit of pressure then like parents are a little bit nervous about taking the ball and coaching as a result? And that's why you end up being given the ball a lot. Yeah. I will say, um, 
the, every year it gets, I don't, I haven't hit it yet. Uh, I start to see a little bit of hints of it, but I do think it gets harder every year of the pressure of that. Like, Hey, why isn't my kid playing? Um, why are we two and seven? You know, I don't agree with the practice methodology. Like again, every, just know. a reminder, how old are your kids? Yeah. Again, my kids are six and nine. <laughs> right. So I like, I haven't really seen that yet. You know, like I have, I guess I have really lucked out particularly in flag football, which can be tough with, I have an amazing set of parents and I do not want to up the, upset the apple cart. I feel like so blessed because I look at other teams and just observe what's happening on the sidelines, same age. And it appears to be a total wreck. Is it the parents, the it's parents. coach? Both? It's a little bit of both, a little bit of both. I mean, you, you know, some like what I consider to be not good coaching behavior, meaning I got one kid who's genetically gifted and I'm giving him the ball every down, if not every other down. And, and like, I got a bunch of other, I like, I would have seen, you know, and this is where I've had words with another coach, which I probably shouldn't have, but have been like, I see that you're playing the same kid as center all day and it's not good Yeah, for that kid. Yeah. Like it's, it's, you're, you're doing your kids a disservice right. by putting this kid at center and giving this kid the ball all day because mm-hmm. the rest of the kids are not going to come back next year. Right. I see a little bit of that and some frustration among parents, but on, you know, on my side, like, I feel like, I haven't noticed it, but I know it's going to come up later on no matter what, you know, of that. It's, it, again, it comes down to my kid's not getting the ball. Like, I don't agree with the practice methodology. I don't like how you talk to my kid in that moment, that kind of stuff that, like, it's going to happen. And you've had a little bit of that. You know, I don't know. Like, I have, I guess I have really lucked out with my parents so far. This is more the other side. You see people I've seen here. some on the other side. Um, basketball, really great, you know, um, I've had some baseball stuff where I will say like it just didn't come together. You know what I mean? Like it was end of the year. Everyone kind of said, here's your juice box. That was sort of fun. There was no like, let's get together into the season party. Who's got the pictures. That was amazing. It just never came together. Like the, not a lot of parents stayed for practice or watched, you know, they just hmm. seemed to be like, it seemed like you had a handful of parents who were like, Oh, this is some cheap babysitting. Yeah. And that kind of stuff where like, it wasn't bad, but it was definitely like, you can tell at the end of the season when you had a, what you think is like a special experience for mm-hmm. all the parents and the kids there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm under no illusion that it will, it like, we'll start to encounter some of that negativity as the stakes get a little bit higher. Mm-hmm. And also you get some of the, as the, every year that you get, and I've already seen this kids that are less interested and are maybe less talented start dropping out. Right. And so you're going to have every year it's going to be more competitive and more competitive and only more competitive kids are going to stay in. Yeah. And those parents are going to have higher expectations. That's interesting. Yeah. That's about when I washed out. We were talking about this earlier. I probably, I think it was like second or third grade is when I, I washed out of baseball because I had like one terrible coach and I was like, I'm done. Kick myself all the time. Like that was a fun sport. I don't know why I dropped out. But we talked about parents. Let's get back to that for a second. It's an interesting one. What do you think makes a good sports parent. Cause you talked about, mm-hmm. okay, yeah. cheap babysitting. That's one end of the spectrum, <laughs> yeah, right? right? You get to drop off. You right. got, you know, Johnny, uh, uh, deputized assistant co-coach who's telling you what they should be doing for their kid. <laughs> yeah. Um, what's the sweet spot, man? Like what's a good sports parent look like? Yeah, that's, uh, you're right. I mean, I, I, I can refer back to like my flag football parents where like, first of all, what capa- every, there's a capacity for all of you to do something like, what is it? And if it's literally bringing juice boxes or like I have a dad who's putting flags back in, he's coming back out and putting kids flags back oh, in because they're hard to put, put in. That's it. Like, yeah. That's, that's their job. Um, you know, are, are they organizing the end of season party? Like, are they making sure the kids have rides? What are they doing? Like volunteer, do something to like, you know, to make your stake there. I think the piece where you're like cheering for your own kid, 
um, is easy when they do something good. Like sure. it's, it's, it's hard to kind of sometimes keep a lid on it. Yeah. I like, I saw, I say that how important that is. I have a video of the first touchdown Ben ever scored. Yeah. And I just about broke the mic <laughs> and I was coaching at the time, but my son like right streaking down the sideline. Yeah. Go Ben. I'm losing my mind. Cause you know, I knew how happy he was going to be. And it was right. the coolest, um, which is, you know, it's probably again, like I probably, did I cheer for all kids equally that day? Probably not. Probably not. But like, Cheering for your kid, I think, is easy, and you should. And you shouldn't miss it. You know, try to go to all the games. But cheering, I notice when parents are cheering for the other kids. Mm. And I, and I also think, like, that's amazing to me where you're, you're cheering for all the other kids. You're paying attention. And there's authentic support. I think mm. what I call, like, authentic enthusiasm, which means, like, when a, if, a kid, if a kid botches a snap is what we see a lot of time, okay. you can't say good job way to go because they know they screwed up right they totally know it so be authentic yeah because they're going to see through your bs too they totally will and then it means nothing like either say nothing or say you're going to get them next time you're going to get them next time you know like talk them up you'll get them next time don't worry about it but where a kid knows well they have it like normally get some kids are a little bit slower and like a five you know a seven eight yard run is a big deal for them as in flight football sure um like celebrate that like celebrate those achievements but the one thing i would differ away from like the, the I nine sports league here in Bellevue is like, they're like cheer every play. Like, I don't, yeah, no. I don't think you do. Like, no. I think, I think you come off as inauthentic, but like that as a parent, you know, is, I mean, first things first, like it's, I, I, and I mostly have really good stuff with this. I've had one or two sideline warnings. I've given myself of my, got my parents one or two yeah. or I've said, nobody talks to the ref, but me. Yeah. You yeah. know, that, that has come up once or twice in flag football um, where, and, and it's blatant. Like the ref is really screwing up. Yeah. You know, we all see it, yeah. but you don't need to say it. Yeah. I'll handle it with the co- or one of the other coaches will um, stay off the refs, stay out of the game. Like if you, you like sometimes parents on the other sides will start jawing, do not engage. Really? Like, yeah, we've had this in our, our, our pre and postseason tournaments. Stay, at you at the team, at, at your... other fans at our, at our parents' sidelines, really? at me as a coach, you know, um, and just don't engage, like stay out of that kind of stuff. And then, you know, that kind of stay positive with your own kid as well. I have been lucky. I have, I, I yet to have any parents who I consider in any sports I've coached that I think are too hard on my kids that I coach. Okay. But I know it's going to, it's going to happen. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, what do you think about parents that are yelling direction or guidance to their kid? Yeah. It's tough. Um, that's really hard. It's hard. I get it. It's hard not to. And there's some things where like, you've been working with your kid on this thing for all week in the backyard and practicing. And they're, you know, that kind of stuff. If it's instruction, like let the coaches handle that. There are times though, I will say is it where I need you as a parent, meaning like if your kid is out there playing grab ass and I don't mean like, I don't mean they're not fully paying attention to every play because look, they're in second grade. They're right. not supposed to, but if I have a kid who's running out there, um, chasing butterflies, chase, I, I even chasing butterflies. I get it as like they're poking kids on their own team, uh, like yeah, like yeah. trying to like play the I'm going to pull my own teammates' flag down and be like, hey, look, there's your flag in the huddle. You right. dropped your flag, like that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I want mom or dad to be like, knock it off. Yeah, because just get in the game. Just get in the game. Knock it off. You're you know you're distracting the team, like that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. I need, but yeah, um, ye- like yelling stuff at the side. Like ideally, you let your you you know. I always think too is like, well, um. I haven't had to do this. My older brother who's got, you know, he's got uh, two boys in travel baseball. Um, they have had a lot of issues with that on West Seattle travel baseball. It's a really good team, but like, Hey, Hey, you, you coach, you know, dad, you didn't put your hand up to coach. Right. Right. And so, so like, what gives you the right now? 
Yeah, so yeah. you're talking to like like you're you're yelling at my my your own kid about like not crowding the base or whatever you know really mm-hmm. like buddy let me handle this mm-hmm. you know have a side have a have a side conversation with me later on if you mm-hmm. want but yeah that kind of stuff's important. That's interesting. So a quick story on that. Sadie, my my younger one, just did um, softball. She did t-ball and then she did softball. And I'd been working with her on quick bat, like just get the bat out there. Mm-hmm. And so we've been working all week, like you talked about, yep. working with her all week. Saying something to her on the side as she's coming to the bat. Comes up to me after the end of the game. This kid is wise. And she goes, Daddy, I really don't like it when you yell things to me when I'm playing. Oh, yeah. And I was yeah. like, oh. Like just Dad <laughs> failed. <laughs> punched right in the balls. Like just, <laughs> God dang. I've been there too, you man. You know, like, you're right, sweetheart. Uh-oh. You're right. And, and one of the things that I've been trying to do, I read an interesting article about this the other day that it was this woman who had always been like on her kid about swimming and you could do this and try this stroke and this and that. And then she, one time she just said, screw it. I'm not going to give any more feedback and just started telling her daughter, I love to watch you swim. Yeah. Yeah. And like, that's right. That was, and then, good. and then the girl just, she glowed and she loved it. And because like she just wanted her mom to enjoy what she enjoyed, Yep. you know? Good. And so I've been trying to take that as my little nugget as a, as a sports parent to just be like, you know, you worked as hard as you could. I love watching you play. Like, and that's mm-hmm. about all you need to worry about. Well, you're and in general, your like your your advice was was probably sound, but mom and dad's white noise, right? We're talking all the time, nonstop. You know, pick up your shoes, wash your hands, whatever, and just right. it's just buzz. It's just white noise, right? right. Charlie Brown's teacher at, this, right. at some point, right. and so you know, I'll I'll have you know where I, um where you know my oldest son Benny told me he goes, yeah, man, if you if you're running at a guy and you look at him in the eyes and then you move your head left and you go right, like you totally juke him. Like, really? Because I've told you that 50 times in the last year, but one other coach told you that, and all of a sudden, like... <laughs> like the exact word for word like, from yeah, what you said. Yeah, yeah, that's right. You know, I mean, um, but there, I also think there's a thing, you you have to know your own kid, where, like, I we have two coaches in um, in football, and we'll do... One coach will do offense. We, I'll, I'll, I'll have a group of five... with 10 kids. I have a group of five. It's five on five. I have a group of five. I coach them offense first half, and I coach them defense second half. Okay. And then my co-coach, I've got a couple... You know, we, we're really blessed. We've got, like, five coaches out of 10 parents. Oh, that's cool. You know, and two of them played college college football. Played, oh, like, awesome. D1 college football, they're great. And um, and so he'll coach... My other co-coach will do, you know, the opposite. I coach his kid. He coaches my kid. Because mm-hmm. my oldest son, like... You know, he, he's like, dad, I want you to be my coach. You got to be my coach. You got to coach. But actually in game time, he will listen to the other dad and vice versa. Really? So like, I don't, I, during the game, I don't coach my own kid. And I have that luxury because I have two coaches where Ari, my five-year-old, who is much more like, he's much more parent dependent. Mm-hmm. Not only do I have to be out there with him when we're in baseball, I have to stand next to him. Mm. Like if he can't, if he can't reach out and touch me while he's on the field. Really? Yeah. And you know, he look, he's only going into kindergarten. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. But he's like, Dad, you're, you got to go out there with me. And, and a part of me was like, well, you know, the coaches and I agreed I was going to stay here with the kids that are at shortstop third base, you know, left field. Yeah. Now you're over there. And he's just, no, I'm not going out there. Like, you got, Dad, you got to stand next to me. got to stand huh. next to you the whole time. And he'll, I, he will continue to be like, I think, because, like, you know, it is just genetically – my oldest one is the independent kid wants to be independent. I'm yep. 16. Give me the keys to the car. You yep. know, like that's him. Where is my five year old, you know, going on six is, is God wants mom or dad next to him. So like, you got to know, cause like, you're, you know, you know, you could have Loretta might've been like, dad, w- w- I didn't hear you the whole game. Like, why aren't you talking to me? Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. so some of you got to read your kid. That's interesting. And then you, you, we touched on this a little bit earlier about, you know, parents not even, or the kids not even knowing that that kid was, you know, yours when you were coaching. Yeah. yeah. But as you said, you have the, the ability to not have to coach your own kid in football. Yeah. But when you don't have that ability, how do you, maybe as a tip for somebody who's like, okay, I'm coaching now, I'm coaching my kid's sport, how do they manage their kid? 
how do they properly coach their own kid in a way that's like appropriate where you're not necessarily being harder on them or, or maybe oh, you are like, what's that balance look like? Cause that seems like the hardest thing to unlock. Oh, it's so hard. I mean, and you know, in my, um, and you know, my nine year old is not easy. Like I won't, I'll say he's an amazing kid. He's a leader. His teachers love him. He's not an easy kid and, and takes a lot of, um, cause he wants to be independent. He wants to be a 16 year old already. And, and so it's hard for me when I see if I, stuff that I see on the field and practice mostly that if it was at the home, I would, mm. I would take him upstairs for five minutes and sit down and have a long talk with him. Yeah. Like, yeah. But on the field, I can't do that because I would never do that to the other nine kids on the team. You can't just take a knee and have a whole chat. I can't. Yeah. Because everybody. I would never, I have to treat him like I would treat the other kids on, mm-hmm. on the, on the field, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's really difficult. And I, I I, I will say that I've, I definitely have screwed that up before. Where like I've come home f- with him from games or practices, where he's just pissed. Yeah, and he's pissed, and because I, I, he was misbehaving. Like sometimes it's like they're on. It's you know it's like they're on the sidelines, and now they're doing this. This is the th- like this age. They're doing this um, spray each other in the back of the water bottle game. Sure, you know. And so then, oh, I don't have any water. I'm thirsty. Well, you <laughs> sprayed it all over your buddy's back. Right. You know, now your kid's soaked, and it's only Seattle. It's forty five, fifty degrees. Yeah. Um, but that kind of stuff where, yeah, like I'm coming down on him, but then I'm coming down, I'm in front of his friends and um, like, that's a dad fail moment for sure. But it, like, like my try to teach it, treat him like I treat the other kids, mm-hmm. but it's not, I mean, you see some of it. Um, I had a neighbor here to the left that, you know, um, I would say like teaching ab- abhorrent behaviors of like, you know, and, um, he, had, he, he was he, he a tough kid. Uh, and I would listen to the way his dad talked to him and, and, and it was, I mean, it's horrible. Like we all talked about, it, it was awful. Where, what do you, you mean? Know, just crushing it. Why are you going left when your right's right? Oh, what are you doing? And like, dude, your kid, he's a really talented basketball player. Like he's going to hate this sport and he's going to hate you, man. You yeah. got to not, I mean, yeah. this just horrible, yeah. horrible of like the same frust- the fr- frustration that you see with your kid misbehaving, but they're not misbehaving. They didn't cross left when they should have. Like, really, Dad? Yeah. That but kind of stuff. the same level of anger, two point. The same yeah. level of anger. Yeah. Horrible kind of stuff that, like, you know, you know. I mean, most parents shouldn't, they really should know better to that. But, like, it's hard, man. I mean, I take it really seriously. I really, like, I, I try to make a really positive experience for the kids that I'm coaching, particularly in, like, flag football, where I take more of a leadership role mm-hmm. than, like, basketball. I consider myself a co-coach with the other coach. Mm-hmm. Um and I try to make a real positive experience, but like at the end of the year, if I were to write down like the ten mistakes, oh, I'd fill up a paper, you yeah, know, with like the things I want to do better at. Yeah. All right, different different uh, can of worms. Yeah. Let's talk about football. Mm-hmm. So I played football in high school. Mm-hmm. I have daughters. Luckily, probably luckily, I never know with Sadie. I probably don't have to make a decision about football. <laughs> but you are probably going to have to have that conversation at some point, like with what we know about football and where everything's at, and the way that we're changing, yeah. the way we practice, and the way that everything's. You know, mm-hmm. I've been reading a lot about slowing down, not going full speed mm-hmm, practices right. a lot, et cetera. It's like, give me your take now on 2019, where we're at with, with, you know, full contact tackle football and, and kind of what you're thinking about. For it's pretty, yeah, it's pretty wild. I mean, they're having a hard time, um, in the Seattle area, at least here in, in Issaquah, um, f- filling up uh, a third grade team. So third grades when they start doing, um, uh, peewee tackle football here. And so going into it, and of my team, I a flag, I have a full team for the fall with a wait list, a long wait list of kids that want to join. I have one kid playing uh, tackle. So you, you think kids that were interested in football, their parents are just saying, stay in flag, move to flag. Flag is exploding in popularity. Yeah. Absolutely yeah. exploding. I mean, it went from having one sort of league. You have two competing leads with pick six and I-9. We've done both of them. We're year-round. Really? Year-round. Four seasons, four seasons, travel, 
you know, I mean, it's huge. And a part of that is because of the, you know, the, the hemorrhaging of, of, of interest in, in tackle football because of the, you know, the injury scares and, um, you know, uh, brain injury scares and reality of it too. I mean, sure. you'd, you'd be silly not to think there's some reality to it, but that, you know, I have a buddy of mine who coaches Eastside Catholic, um, Pee Wee, and he and I went to the, uh, the University of Washington Coaches Clinic this year. And he you know, talked about, like, Eastside Catholic's got a team, but, like, Issaquah's having a hard time. Like, they don't even know if they're going to have a third-grade team. They don't have to, like, combine the third- and fourth-grade teams mm-hmm. together. I've heard in the South that it's not, not that nothing's changed. Like, in the SEC, oh, like, yeah. Alabama's no. still just, you know, in, in Texas, it's nothing's changed. But it here is um, growth of other sports. Um, and, and so people are going to have to, you know, I think, A, you know, that it will change. Like, you're going to start to see even more uh, struggles for the conferences like the Pac-12 where we just don't have enough kids playing. You know, it's a numbers game. You don't have kids playing peewee. They're not playing high school football. And then the, the West Coast football will take a step back. Um, as a parent, though, you have to make this decision. Now, like, on one hand, I will say this. of Like, you look at – if you look at statistically, it is true that, like, there are more um, concussions per minute played in girls' soccer. Like, Interesting. That's a fact. There are more deaths in way more in skiing. Mm, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. I started my kids. Ski, I skied downhill ski with my kids this year. Right. Right. Yeah. Know? We did too. Go. Yeah. Go. Knock Throw yourself out. Let's mm-hmm. go. Um, you know, at the same time, though, there I, I'm under I'm like, I'm, I, you know, I, I'm under no illusion of the dangers there. I don't think I, my thought I, I don't I don't think that there is a huge advantage of playing peewee football um, versus kids that start in high school. Yeah. I think you could, if you play flag the whole way, you'll understand the field more. Yeah. Um, those younger brain injuries are, are much more traumatic than our old, than are as you're older, like kids that get brain injuries when they're third and fourth grade, the long-term effects are horrible. Right. Particularly bigger kids. Like if you're a bigger kid, they're going to put you on the line. Yeah. And being on the line is you're going to run into the kid in front of you over and over and over for mm. five years, which yep. not only is not good for you, it's not any fun. No. Whereas like flag football, you can be the biggest kid in the field. You're all going out for passes. Everybody's catching passes. Everybody's yeah. run the ball. Like everybody yeah. gets to do the fun stuff. So for like personally, I mean, I, I don't hold it against you because I, because statistically it, it truly is like, it, you know, Hey, you're going to throw your kids out there skiing. I'm not, am I going to look at someone who's doing that and say, what kind of parent are you? How could you do that? That's interesting. Why do you think culturally, like, have we just, why did we turn on football or why is this sort of slowly happening where your, your point's valid? The data's there. Yeah. I mean, part of it is so much of it in the news and you hear about it. Right. And then you see, you know, you see all these guys who are suing the NFL because of CT injuries. And like, you see guys who, you know, you know, like seems like they have MS and they can't put a sentence together because of what's happened to them. And it's, uh, but I'd say as much as that, it's also just a violent sport, the sport itself. Yeah. So you watch on TV like, Oh my gosh, this is looks horrible. It's violent. Whereas like you think of, you know, soccer doesn't seem like a violent sport. Right. There just happen to be all of these concussions from like hit basically like a lot, most like a lot more for whatever reason in girls soccer, of like knocking heads into each other. Yeah. Or like skiing isn't violent. Mm-hmm. It's just kids run into trees and they, and yeah. adults run into kids. Yeah. That yeah. kind of stuff. So yeah. there's a piece of that where like, I don't want my kid playing this violent sport. Mm. Um, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I, for my son, um, I wouldn't let him play until high school. If you ask my wife, she'll never. Yeah. Um, and I just, but to me, I just think like, there's no point in arguing about it now. Cause the odds that he's still into it in high school are probably small. Good point. Who knows? Who even knows yeah. if he's even into it yeah. um, at that point. That's so. interesting. I, yeah. I think that makes a lot of sense. I think that's a, the peewee part is the part that scares me. So my, uh, my daughter's cheering for Issaquah mm-hmm. youth football. Yeah. And so we did that a little bit. You know, I went to the game. Stuff yeah, last year. yeah. I'm paying very little attention to the game. Of course, I'm watching my girl. Yeah, and sure. That's awesome. But the what's interesting watching full contact youth football now is like 
five years ago, maybe 10 years ago, kid puts a hard hit on another kid, you would have been like, woo, Ooh, yeah, yeah, nice hit, right? <laughs> now, all the air gets sucked out of the stadium. Like, yeah, yeah kid right. gets knocked down, you know, the kind of hit that you'd get replayed on, on, you know, on the NFL. And now everybody's just like, there's this very different vibe in yeah, the stadium. That's right. And so I think what that tells me is culturally, it was like, maybe, maybe we don't need to be banging up against the wall repeatedly, like playing line or whatever, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Until our bodies are a little bit more developed, like yep. high school. Yeah, it, it totally could be. But I will say, I mean, they've done a, I think they've done a great job with um, safety sanctions and like my, but because you said Catholic, you're saying how, you know, like the, you have to do like this hundred hours of safety training and you can only, the way the practices are regimented where you can only do contact like one week before the same, like, and how they, they teach these, um, uh, rugby style tackling. They call it like dog tackling at the UW. It's kind of a variation of, of rugby tackling, which is not only a safer way to tackle, but it's a more sure tackle the leg rack up, wrap up mm-hmm. versus a lower, the shoulder slash head and the way that we were taught. It. Yeah. 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 It's all like a horrible way to do it. So, um, you know, that kind of stuff I think is better, but, it's hard, man. I, you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm more of an apologist than most, meaning I will absolutely not judge a parent who's putting their kids in it mm-hmm. because I do think that statistically other sports that we put our kids into are as inch, but for my own kid, like he's having a blast playing flag football. Yeah. And if he does the rest of his life playing flag and does competitive flag and intramurals and I get to go watch, man, yeah. I mean, I'm happy. You're fired That's up. Awesome. Those are my favorite memories when I was a kid too, is flag football. Flag, yeah. yeah. We played when I lived in California we yeah. played and we were city champs two years in a row. Best time. Yeah. Like you talk about that special team, the pizza parties. Every, totally. Still friends with guys. From oh yeah. That, you know, well, when you get in high school, you're, you're drawing up your own playbook too. Oh, like you're just making cool. your own thing. Like that's, I remember that's doing that in, in the frat, like yeah. playing intramural. Yeah. You're too. just making your own stuff. It's a great time. That was particularly fun to watch the sororities too. I always laugh about seeing a different side of my wife when I went to her first interview. Oh yeah. Football you, football yeah. Game. And you know, Amy, yeah. she, she went hard. No question. That's great. I could see it. Yeah, so like, let's uh, change gears a little bit. Talk about UW. Yeah. So Huskies coming up. Yep. Let's start with, as not a super fan from my perspective, mm-hmm. I geek for uniforms. I really dig oh, sports yeah, yeah. uniforms. Yeah. That's new a big year uniforms uh, announced. Um, mm-hmm. Adidas is the new sponsor. I don't know how important this is to you. Probably very little. And you mentioned there's <laughs> what you know the financial aspect is positive. But what's your take on the uniforms? Yeah. You, what, you know. What do you think? So. When they came out, uh, I will say, like, I, I'm not, I don't geek out too hard on the uniforms from a personal perspective of me saying, like, I love them or I hate them or whatever. Um, I like them. I look at them and I think, hey, they look kind of cool. And, and uh, the ones that you can buy as a fan, uh, like today you can buy in the Husky shop, are actually pretty sweet. I think that's that, those I look as a fan and, and, like, that's an upgrade, I think, from the Nike ones. They, really? They look pretty slick. They have the kind of Nike, uh, the Adidas two stripe, three stripe thing on the, yeah, shoulders. on the shoulders. Looks pretty slick. Um, what I care about is a the money. Yeah, and the money was massive. Really, I mean, it was so much sweeter, more? sweeter than what we than what we ever ever could have got. Is this just Nike. because Adidas is realizing they're getting handed to them on this space? Like Nike just took over in the last what ten years? Yeah, I mean Adidas needs a bigger West Coast presence for sure, and Washington has a lot of cachet right now, and historically does. But right now, it's a great time to get in, um, and. And they're trying to make a play. You know, they, I think they see that they can make a play against against Nike in in college and then youth sports. And you have to have some marquee programs um, littered around the, com- the the country and top markets. And Seattle being a big market, I think was a great play for them. The, it, it is a transformational business relationship, and just another piece of evidence that like Jen Cohen is probably, you know, if if Coach Pete was the best hire in Husky football, you know, in the last two, three decades, Jen Cohen is number two from an yeah. athletic director perspective. Like her, her ability to get that deal is not only, you know, look, we were never going to be number one with Nike because of what they do with Oregon. Right. The day that 
uh, or for the day that they launched Adidas launched on Adidas.com, Ad- the University of Washington was the homepage of Adidas. Oh, wow, yeah. That never Nike would have never done that. Not, never not in a million close. years. You know, and they, you know, they did this thing where they had the, um, you know, the partnership was this barge that came mm-hmm. in on Lake Washington that like, ah, some people thought it was cheesy. I thought, look, it's a marketing thing. That, you know, that just looks like what a lot of tech marketing companies would do. Like, sure. It's fine. What do I care about is A, the money. Yeah. B, that's this transformational gift that give you the facilities that help drive um, interest in the program and help drive more success. And B is like, do the student athletes like them? Because the student it. athletes care. They, they really do. do. It's a big deal. You're a kid growing up in Texas. Yeah. You don't know anything about any schools anywhere else. You're nope. going to judge to some extent what, what looks cool. What uniform do I want to wear? You know, and, and look, Oregon hit on it. And, you know, you have to, as, as much as it's hard for me to admit, like they hit on that at the right time when nobody else was doing it, where they got really creative with uniforms and how many different ones they were doing. And, and the rest of, you know, your Notre Dame fans were like, oh, how could they? They're running, well, look, they're, look what they've done yeah. from being a garbage program for the first hundred years to being completely relevant, playing in a national championship. And a lot of this was money-based, but them doing some smart things with money. Part of that being like what they've done with, they were the first ones to do this. Yeah. You know, to recognize that kids cared about this kind yeah. of stuff. Um, but I like it. I think it's cool. You know, some of the, uh, I will, some of the fan stuff were like, oh, you know, uh, we're not going to be able to get cool fan gear. Like, yeah, you are. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. Yeah. You're, you're like, you want a polo shirt? There's a nice polo shirt with his Adidas. Like <laughs> you're gonna, there, there's gonna be fine stuff for you out there. Uh, but Jen, Jen Cohen striking that deal, I think was huge. That's interesting. Yeah, no, I saw this in real time going to SMU in Dallas. We used to beat TCU every year. Mm-hmm. We destroyed TCU. Yeah. We dominated. Right. TCU was one of maybe the first tranche after Oregon of the schools that Nike signed up. They learned quickly, and they just went nuts. And all of a sudden, TCU's powerhouse program. It's it, it's it's huge. I mean, that kind of stuff that it does. Um, and now it's kind of table stakes. Yeah, I think you're right. You know, where mm-hmm. like you can only you know you can only be the first school that does that, and like that you have the uh, dedicated libraries just for the football team, and you've got, you know you make your your locker room that used to be like no my my guys need to be tough, and we're you know we're we're these trench dogs, and so I want you know just metal great lockers. Yeah, you're like no, our kids actually like mahogany lockers with leather seats and an xbox like sure. and they will they yeah. will be wowed by that and so yeah. and, and again oregon tcu were some of the first schools to do that table stakes now yeah like you have to figure out a way to do that so speaking of top programs mm-hmm. how are we feeling about your dogs Ooh, okay so i mean this is a big year where um you know 2019 you know you're looking at really what i consider to be like the middle of this i'd say dynasty and people will rip on me for that but you're in an era that you have to be enjoying as a Husky fan under Chris Peterson. We've won two of the last Pac-12, two of the three last Pac-12 championships, went back to a Rose Bowl. We won the Apple Cup five years in a row. Some amazing things have popped. We played in the college football playoff. Um, you know, I hung know with, you can't call that a dynasty. This is, this is an era. I mean, we, you know, you probably need a few more years. You need a handful more years of this thing to go. You need another five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Let's keep going. <laughs> but... We are in an era, I don't know what else to call it, but an era where as a Husky fan, you have to enjoy and savor every minute of this. We survived through the Willingham era. It's like we right. made it through this, right. this part. We got somehow, grew out of the Sark thing unscathed. Like we did it. Yeah. Like let's get through this thing. So, you know, this is a year where we finished these last four. Now we're at this kind of interesting period in 2019 where 2020, everybody's looking ahead and looking to that class of it's going to be incredible. It's one of the, like, the best recruiting classes that we've put together. We've got some amazing quarterbacks that are uh, that are coming in. Um, we have a lot of sophomores, young defense this year that hopefully will stay next year towards juniors. There's a little bit of look ahead stuff going on right now. Okay, where it was like, oh, we're a little early. It's 2020. Yeah, 
I think 2019 could be something special. And I think some analysts will have us as winning the Pac-12, us in Oregon. A lot of people like Utah between those threes where you hear a lot of the talk. Mm-hmm. I think a couple things have to happen for this to be a special year. One stuff that already has lawn our favor is the, the schedule. Mm-hmm. So this year in the schedule, we've got all the games that you want to be at home or at home. You've got Oregon at home. You've got Utah at home. You have USC at home. You've got Cal, who has given us fits before. You've got that at home. Mm-hmm. So you look, I mean, those are great. Tough away games, Stanford, for whatever reason, like yeah. we have a hard time playing in this half-empty stadium that Stanford is, um, though I do think this is going to be a little bit of a down year for Stanford. Arizona as a state, traveling into it, we have this like desert dog concept where the team just forgets to play football when we cross the state line. Like that game, I, maybe. We've got Wazoo at home this year with the Apple Cup, so the schedule lines up great. Because Wisconsin dropped off the schedule this fall, we had this back. We were supposed to have a home and away with Wisconsin the last two years. Okay. Wisconsin bailed on that three years ago, and so we have nobody in the fall. We've got at BYU, which it, I hate that game because only like all that can do is screw you up. Yeah. It's only a look ahead game that'll yeah. screw you up. Hawaii, Eastern Washington. The only downside of that is no no margin for error at all. Right. I mean, you you, those, you yeah. pretty much have to run the table if you think yeah. you're going to go in the college football playoff. Yeah. Um, now, from a team perspective, so the schedule looks great. The whole thing comes around, there's two sides of, that you hear most of the talk about. One is, you know, three returning starters on defense. And I get it. Like, I, I understand that. And I do think it's going to, the first couple of games, it's going to take them uh, to get back to, uh, to, to really be the powerhouse that we have been the last couple of years. And we graduated some amazing players, particularly um, on the linebackers, safeties, all the secondary, I think, yes, we lost them. But the guys that we have coming back are great. I think we have some solid returners. We have guys that have good experience. Amazing recruiting. We're so deep in that secondary. And I, coach, I trust Coach Jimmy Lake to bring up every – I mean, how many years in a row we've heard this, oh, you guys were losing this guy. You lost Kevin King. You lost – you know, this year we lost Taylor Rapp. And amazing players are all in the NFL doing incredible things. That's why we've been called DBU. But I trust that we'll get that back. On the offensive side of the ball, I think the line, we're bringing back a lot of the line, um, which is great. I think so, 105 returning starts is what we have. Um, losing Gaskin hurts a lot. He was such an amazing running back. I mean, one of the most prolific in, in Husky history. And we've got this stable now coming back of like the shifty Savan Ahmed, who's not as uh, patient as Gaskin is really. You talk about the size difference. Really, Gaskin was the most patient running back, I think, in Husky history where he knew exactly how long to wait. And he'd get these amazing yards after contact. And that, I mean, like breaking long runs, but if after he got hit, he found a way to get down low to the ground, get two, three, four extra, and that mm-hmm. paid dividends. Savon's this really shifty guy. Um, and you've got others, Sean McGrew, Kamari Pleasant, who are sort of TBD, but is this going to be a platoon versus the, you know, the Gaskin? And then, of course, the big one everybody talks about is the quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, on our podcast, I mean, we all sort of agree that we think Browning got way too much heat. You know, from a statistical perspective, one of the most winning, you know, winning, uh, most winning quarterback in Husky history. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't maybe have the long, deep arm strength that you would have liked. And then hence, I think, made some silly plays based on that. And you saw a little bit of a regression with his arm throwing injury, but he got way too much blame. Mm-hmm. And I think he will come back in three, four years. People will remember him as a legend, will retire his number. I don't know about that. He will be in the Husky Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. Um, but now, what do we do with this quarterback situation? And, and the whole thing is this big unknown of Jacob Eason. You know, when we lost Jacob Eason to Georgia as a, as a recruit, uh, it was such a hit for us of this kid from Lake Stevens who's, you know, your number one quarterback in the country, top three, top four, depending on what reports you're looking at. How come we can't keep this guy home? Yeah. He goes to Georgia, has an injury, 
And I think if you look at him statistically in that 55% completion, as you go, ah, you know, I don't know, he's not really the Jake Fromm, but if you actually watch game film from his starts at Georgia, a lot of his, his picks really weren't his fault. And I mean, they struggled offensively for other reasons that I think were not his fault. I had a chance to go watch them as part of that Husky coaching clinic. And not only he physically, he's just a specimen of what you look for in a college quarterback of, you know, six, five cannon arm, um, sees the field really well, but I mean, his passes are so crisp and they just fly out of his arm or some of the ones with, with Jake after the shoulder injury, you'd see it go up and you'd go, what? Mm. It's still in the air. It's still, wait, how, how it hasn't dropped yet. Like it's going to get picked where, you know, Easton has this cannon. I think the thing that's killing Husky fans is they go, what are they going to put in this backup? Jake Hayner, who, um, we all saw like, you know, probably if, Again, I'm, I'm, I hate to pick on Coach Pete. I, think, I really think he is up there with Don James in terms of Husky history quarterbacks, or excuse me, coaches. But taking out Browning and putting in Hayner in that Cal game and watching Hayner play with, like, his eyes just said, like, from the very first play, holy crap, I can't believe I'm in a college game. This is not going to go well. He throws a pick six and we lose the game. And when I went, you know, the thing, I, from my perspective, like, going and watching the Husky practice, Eason looked like your prototypical college quarterback that everyone looked at with reverence on the field. And like Hainer just seemed like a lot of John, a lot of talking the whole time and doesn't have that arm strength or that size of like coach Pete, isn't going to tell you who the starter is in May. He's not going to tell you in July. He's not going to tell you in uh, maybe August. You're going to find out at Eastern Washington. Sure. And it pisses everyone off. (laughs) And that's why all the media is like, oh, no, no, no. You know, it's like your armchair stuff of like, well, I, I've, I'm a reporter. I have a minute to get rid of a, a thing. All I know is that Jake Fromm beat out Jacob Eason at Georgia, so Jacob Eason must not be good. Right. Just, just tired reporting. Right. Um, where I think if, if Eason is as special as we think he's going to be, then this team, then anything short of a Pac-12 championship should be a disappointment. Huh. Um. If he's not, and you don't know, because this is a transfer yeah, back right. scenario. If you don't, right. if he's not, because his head's not in the game or, or whatever, um, it will be that look ahead year to twenty twenty, like we talked about. Okay. So if that fires you up, Husky fans, and that's <laughs> the kind of reporting and insight and uh, feedback that you want, trust me, I've listened to his show. Even though I'm not a super big Husky fan, they get deep. They talk seriously about what's going on. Play individual plays, discussions. It's definitely worth your time to check out if you're a fan of the Huskies or if you're just a fan of Pac-12 football in general. Mm-hmm. So definitely check out Dog Pod. If you're a Husky fan, I don't need to tell you there's a W in there. If you live anywhere else, it's D-A-W-G Pod. Yep. And you That's can right. search on iTunes or anywhere else you get your podcast and find them there. Um, cool. BT, thank you, man, very much. I appreciate it. It was discussion. a blast. Man. It's good to talk about the sports and hopefully, you know, um, like I said, find us on Twitter. I'd love to hear people's feedback. Um, if you guys have coaching tips that are out there, um, parenting tips about like all the great questions that Scott had about how to be a better uh, parent to your own kids while they're, you're coaching, man, I'm all yours. I want to learn too. Cool. All right. Thanks a lot, man. All right, buddy. Go dogs. <laughs>